Society is robbing our young people of these truths in its attempt to impose secularism on everyone. And value, my friends, value is the foundational stone of all hope. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast designed to coach you up in your faith. Mm. The more you know, the more you can grow. The importance of growing your faith is more critical now than ever, and this is why you should be inviting people to be part of the Salty Pastor Podcast. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peake. Hey, everybody. I'm so glad you're joining us today on the Salty Pastor. We want to uh, continue to expand the reach, and we've just slowly been growing. And now that we've been doing this, I mean, it's been what, three years, probably close to three years we've been doing this. So it's been pretty exciting to see all the things that God has done and used the salty pastor to achieve. And we'd like uh, to continue to see it grow. So like, and subscribe, go to YouTube, look up the salty pastor, and then just hit the like button and the subscribe button. Even if you never go back to YouTube ever again, <laughs> just go over there once. The nice thing about it, you can also hit alerts on there and then it'll alert you on your phone or somewhere else. You kind of see what we're doing in the studio if you like, but it also just helps grow the listenership by expanding the platform. So if you'd help us do it, really appreciate it. Absolutely. And this new series we started last week, Weeds in My Garden, has seemed to really struck a chord with people. Um, mm, the yeah. focus of this series is an honest conversation about mental health in our society. And ultimately, I think that first message and the, the first two episodes of this series have really been resonating with people. Um, mm. And I think it's kind of put some people in an uncomfortable position because this has been so kind of taboo to talk about for so long. So they're they're yeah. kind of getting used to this idea of, wait, we're going to talk about what? Wait, it's, it's okay. <laughs> like, I think that idea is yeah. starting to kind of resonate with some people. And for some people, they're still getting used to the idea. And that's okay, too, because we're going to be here for about eight weeks. Yeah. And it's going to be uh, an in-depth discussion all about mental health. And one of the mm -hmm. things you discussed on the podcast last week is how things have changed in our society and how these changes are producing more mental health issues in yeah. people. Yeah. And this seems to be the case, especially among young people, yeah, younger um, people. but we see this mm -hmm. across um, all ages as well. Right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of ask that question because if we want to have an honest conversation about mental health and the increase in the struggle that people have in their mental health, we need to ask why, what has changed. Now, the general statement that people give uh, that are involved in this kind of say, well, it's just not a, a, as much a taboo anymore, so people are reporting it more. And I would say, okay, well, that, that may be true, but that's statistically insignificant based on the time that we've actually had a focus on mental health uh, which has been f well over a hundred years. You know, it's it started back in the early 1900s, early 20th century, that it actually became a discipline of psychiatry. So I think it's important to understand the facts, and the facts are is that there's been a dramatic increase even since COVID. So you can't say that the taboo of discussing mental health changed three and a half years ago. Mm. I mean, it changed decades ago, right? Right. Especially among the younger generation. They, they've been talking about it for 
you know, Gen Z has been talking about it since they were born almost. So the right. last 20 something years. So why even among Gen Z do we see such a dramatic increase in the last three years? So it's, it's much more than the notion that, oh, we've removed a, a cultural taboo so we can talk about it, right? right? There's something else going on, and it's very important to diagnose that properly if we want to have any type of answer. According to the health.com, they've listed a number of things. They say that number one is pressure from social media, is particularly among young people, factor. is okay. a contributing factor to the increase. Uh, younger generations feel insecure because they're comparing them, their, their everyday life to somebody's highlight reel, you know, mm. is kind of how I heard it described. Uh, there's a lack of, uh, boundaries or even filters when it comes to exposure to media. We've become an entertainment driven society as opposed to, uh, you know, work first, play later kind of society. And I think that lack of boundary has an impact, uh, particularly on ordering your emotional world. Number three, there's, uh, according to health.com, there's an increasing societal pressure to achieve more and be more. Uh, I, I can't imagine a girl in junior high school being on social media, you know, and because she has to compare what she sees in the mirror to perfection every single day, mm. a thousand pictures of p- perfection. It's real easy to feel inadequate uh, when you're young about that. You know, I was reading recently about uh, young boys, you know, and their access to pornography. And it's really interesting, but a historian pointed out, said that the average boy 200 years ago would see one pretty girl once in his lifetime. Mm. Every girl that he saw was basically average, right? Or, Or so, but now a guy in five minutes can see thousands of naked, beautiful women. And just that alone should be taken into account. And so this lack of boundaries or filters, uh, the increasing societal pressure to be perfect or achieve more. Another thing that is really, according to health.com influences it is easy access to drugs and illicit substances. Okay. So it's become, you know, a lot of drugs have become much, much more available. Okay. And easy to get, uh, a lifestyle. Here's a big one. They, which I think is fascinating. They say that one of the reasons why we've had a, an initial increase is because of a lifestyle of instant gratification. And so we aren't, if we don't immediately satisfy our, our desire, then we have anxiety over okay. it. Uh, a lack of community involvement, they say, and they also say a lack of contact with the outside world. So one of the most po- common symptoms of people uh, who are struggling with mental health issues, in other words, there's a sign that you're actually dealing with it, is this issue of what I call despair. And if we use our four bucket illustration, I think we can understand and start to answer the question, well, why is it increasing at such a dramatic rate? Well, because more and more people are experiencing despair. So what exactly is despair? Well, despair is the complete loss, not just a partial loss, but the complete loss, or it's the complete absence of hope, right? That's despair. So the verb despair uh, means you have lost hope. It comes from the uh, Latin uh, desperare, if I said that right, I'm not a Latin pro, <laughs> uh, but it basically means in Latin to be without hope because it comes from the prefix D, which means without plus separare, which means to hope. So 
definitions of despair, a state uh, in which all hope has been lost or is absent. So uh, despair means you could have had hope and then something took it away or, which I think is very significant today, is there is an absence of it. It was never developed, right? Like characters developed hope, uh, a bigger picture. And notice what they say is that one of the, the biggest things um, in a loss of, uh, or not kind of a, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that. One of the biggest influencers on mental health is a loss of meaning and purpose in life. That that's what the uh, health.com article said. And then the anxiety center, <laughs> they have an entire center dedicated, dedicated to just that. to anxiety yeah. is the one who said all of these are contributing factors. I just want to be real clear on that. So we get all of our citations proper. And I think what's really interesting is that the absence of hope means you know, wow, if meaning or purpose was never developed, then hope will be absent. You see the connection there. Mm. So that, that's really important. And now let's look at our four buckets and kind of talk about this real quick and how despair influences your four buckets. So let's talk about six situational mental health struggles. We talked about everything from grief to trauma to even uh, drug use or to any of these things that create a mental health struggle in the life of a person, particularly a young person is that is if you have no meaning and purpose in your life that's been developed, then your situational despair increases exponentially. Okay. Did you catch that? So if you have a trauma and there's no meaning or purpose behind it, and then what happens is that trauma creates an even bigger and longer lasting impact in your mental health. And we see this a lot with the whole idea of PTSD and the study of PTSD. And one of the things that's happened in the last 25 years is that PTSD has gotten uh, more pronounced among military. And the issue, of course, when they started was, well, it's acceptable to have it now. You know, it used to be called shell shock and it's acceptable to have it. And so that's why the cases are rising, right? More people are reporting. Well, but what happened is they started digging that. They realized is that, no, the actual rate of increase is not just more accurate importing. It's actually increasing. And one thing that's it's really sad is the amount of suicide that is happening among our military servicemen and women. I mean, it's, it's incredible. And so this is really devastating. And in, I'm postulating the point is, is that, is that because of where our society is gone, right? That we have removed the very structures that underpin society that brought a person meaning and purpose that you're to the point now where if you go and fight in a postmodern cultural construct construct, and you've been taught to be a deconstructionist, then what's going to happen is when you see horrific things, you don't have the mental capacity to make any sense or order out of them. You don't have any way to process the trauma of those events. Consequently, PTSD goes up as a factor. And so there's research that points to that as true. So the point is, is that despair in general, you know, where it comes from and why you have it increases situational mental health problems. Okay. 
And so what we're trying to do here is get a context of how do we understand and be honest and, and, and caring about people who are struggling with this. Biological, you may have a proclivity that can increase your intensity of despair. You know, it's really interesting, but when you read uh, medieval li literature and you read Renaissance literature, they, they didn't say, oh, that person's depressed, right? You know, they would say that that person tends towards melancholy, okay? So they even acknowledged that there was a biological factor that some people had melancholicness. I don't know what the proper way to say, but they yeah. had a propensity for melancholy in right. their personality. And so those types of people would often probably struggle with more mental health issues. It's the same thing for you. So if you have a biological proclivity and you don't have a construct that helps you develop hope, guess what? Your mental health struggles go up. They don't go down. I think uh, clinical, when all hope is gone, this is the one thing that clinicians actually look for when they're trying to diagnose how severe your mental health issue is, is they're try they try to try to diagnose, well, is there any sign of hope in this person? Because once a person loses all hope, they've fallen into complete despair, then that's when they tend to say suicidal ideation goes way up. And if a person has no hope, they, then what happens, they're in complete despair, you know, that's where suicide becomes a real factor that has to be, uh, people have to be concerned about, right? And then, you know, what's fascinating to me is what the one factor that is often overlooked in our treatment of mental health today is the spiritual. And yet spiritual is the most important because the spiritual is where we develop meaning and purpose in our life. It's where hope comes from is that meaning and purpose. And so our society has attempted to become a secular society as much as possible. And most are not aware that the presupposition or foundation of secularism is what is known as naturalism or the material world only. And basically the presupposition of secularism is that, uh, is that we can only know things that we can experience or prove to be true in the material world right? There's nothing beyond just this material world. We'll talk about that as a failure philosophically pretty quick and how irrational that is. But before we get to that, I think it's important to understand though, is that if you, if our society becomes more secular and more young people are taught to think in a secular notion, and if they buy into it, even just a little bit with, with even without knowing that that's what they're doing, just like you become a deconstructionist without really knowing that's what you're doing. You know, you just walk around skeptical, not believing anything. And then you wonder why you're miserable. Right. And in the same way is that if, you buy into secularism even a little bit over a period of time, what happens when something goes bad or you, you develop a biological proclivity towards things, guess what? You're, if there's, you, it's, it's difficult to have any purpose or glean any meaning from what's going on in your life. There's no redemption potential of it. Therefore, despair increases. And when despair increases, mental health struggles are that much more intensive. And so I think part of the reason why I'm not going to say all of it, but part, a big chunk of it is because the direction that our society has gone in towards secularism. That's a big deal in our mental health issues today. Yeah, I think you've, you've touched on a couple of points and I just kind of want to reiterate and make sure I'm understanding what you're saying. One is that uh, 
a lack of understanding that there's something more in the world that you are valued, that you have a, an identity, that there's a purpose for you being here has in the world teaching more and more people that that has directly um, influenced how people handle any four of the buckets um, when it comes to mental health issues, because yes. there's a despair basically of, well, it doesn't matter. I don't matter. There's no reason for me to be here. So there's no reason, right? There's no reason. And so this falls in further to what we've kind of been trying to, you know, reiterate when it comes to the four buckets is the four buckets are interrelated most of the time. And while, mm -hmm. but what a lot of people will do is they'll say, okay, well, your problem just needs to be prayed over, right? They just say, well, everything's spiritual. It's only spiritual and you just got to will it out of existence, right? Mm -hmm. But what we're saying is, while not every problem is only spiritual, so you may have a biological propensity, a clinical propensity, there's a spiritual aspect to every problem. And that's, and, and so while you may have a biological issue, there's still a spiritual um, part of the bucket that you need to address as well. It's never just a biological issue. There is usually some sort of spiritual um, aspect that is also needing to be dealt with, worked through, felt through alongside of those other buckets, right? Yeah, I think number one, it creates a uh, a holistic, more holistic approach by seeing things in these separate buckets, and then you can say, oh, this is how this affects that, this affects that, this affects that. And you need to address all of them. You can't, you know, what I'm saying you got to address all the buckets. But the other thing it does is by using the buckets, and and then evaluating our society, we realize, wow, we didn't get here overnight, right? Right, and so the path to wholeness and recovery, we we should have more we should have a more understanding a more compassionate and intentional process towards that right it take because it takes because you're you in essence you have to rebuild all four buckets right, right. you're it's not, you, you need to learn to utilize all four buckets and and understand how each thing yeah. fits into them which is and, our point is it's so much more complex than we want to admit right sometimes. everyone wants to focus on the first three and not the fourth or yeah. the, vice versa or vice versa. Right. And, yeah. and we're saying it's all related. Like there's to get the most holistic healing. This is how you have to approach it is both. And right. Correct. And what you're kind of talking about is this spiritual aspect of understanding you are loved, cared for, valued. You have a purpose on this planet is drastically impactful on how you perceive other things in your life, Yeah, which would, you know, as the world is getting more and more secular, we're leaning more and more towards, well, there's no purpose. You're space dust. Right. Believe whatever you want because truth is relative. And it's exactly. like, okay, well, then nothing matters. Like, it exactly. just leads to this despair of like, well, I don't matter. How I feel doesn't matter. I just am kind of floating through here till I die. And then there's nothing after that anyway. So it's just so like. So what difference does it yeah, make? Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, that if, when you put it in those terms and you like really step back, you're like, well, yeah, I, I, I understand why it's a combination of more reporting new factors like social media, but also this large portion of, Hey, we're moving away from there's something yeah. important in your life yeah. for you to live for. And you're here for a reason. Right. And I think yeah. that's what's so important to understand. So talk to me a little bit about what the biblical view on human beings are um, and how that could potentially lead us to an answer on despair. 
Well, uh, yeah, I think that ultimately the Bible as a worldview is very specific. It's very, very specific. You know, the very first thing it says is all human beings are created in the image of God, Genesis 1.27. And it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So unlike the world's philosophy of secularism, which says your life has no meaning, it has no purpose. And, you know, you're, you're like you said, you're just this space dust, right? That disappears. Jesus says the exact opposite. He says, look, you are created in the image of God. And not only are you created in his image, you, you there's a uniqueness uh, of maleness. There's a uniqueness of femaleness. There's this binary notion. So here we have a spiritual statement created in the image of God, which gives me value. But now we jump over to the biological bucket and says, well, there's a binary nature. Okay. And why is that significant? Well, all mammalian biology is based on a binary male and female, you know, all of it. And so I think, I think it's, this is how we see they interrelate and we have to address all of it together. And, and so your value comes from God and then your reality can be defined truthfully. And that's the biggest issue is that uh, if, if you believe that your life has no meaning or purpose, if you believe that there's no importance to life, there's no value to life, then what difference does it make biologically if you believe there is a binary mammalian biology? It doesn't make any difference, mm -hmm. right? You see, so you see how that creates despair across all four buckets by just simply changing a spiritual construct. Okay. So that, that's important to note the, the value of human beings. Jesus says is in the fact that you are alive, you are created, you are conscious. Okay. And this, uh, Aristotle said something really, really important. He said, and this relates and I'll, I'll, I'll explain why, but he said, this is that what is the most important endeavor of philosophy? What is the most important question philosophers need to answer? And this is what he said. Why is there something instead of nothing? Hmm. Why is there something instead of nothing? So what's really interesting about that is that has been the thing that's plagued people <laughs> is answering the question, why are we here? Right. Why is there something? And in the same way, it's very important for you to understand if you want to change the course of your mental health journey is you have to start at the very, very basic. And that is, why is there a you and not a you? You have to answer that question. Why is there a me as opposed to not me? Now, when you, it's really interesting because what happens when people start to struggle with suicidal ideation or suicidal thoughts, right? They often start with a statement, it would have been better if I had never, never been, been born. born. Right. You see, and that cuts to the most important question in philosophy. Why is there a you as opposed to not you and not existing? And so that goes right very to the very beginning of the book, of first book in the library called the Bible. And that is in the very first chapter 
is that you were created. Now, obviously, you were created as a, you know, co-creator with your parents, right? God set this process in motion. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Well, what do you think he's talking about? He said, go have kids. Right. And so that's how, so we were invited by God to be co-creators of life in that statement with him. Right. And at that point, right. That's how a human being develops sentience, a human soul. Right. And so then your life has responsibility. He says, go and fill the earth and subdue it. You know, okay, let's live. Let's live here for this time. So you have to answer the question within yourself is why is there a you as opposed to no you? Right. And that means once you answer that question, you are building this, the construct, the foundation to actually know in your soul that you have value. So that's the first step. The second thing that Jesus does when he talks about your value is in uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 6. It's really interesting. It says that Jesus didn't treat you as valuable only when you were a good person, right? He treated you valuable even as a bad person, right, separated from him. He says, uh, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for the good person, someone would even dare to die. So what he's saying is, okay, maybe, you know, some guy is like my brother or my son is a better man than me. And so I'll go and sacrifice myself. That happens on rare occasions, right? Or like, you know, in war, you know, guy will jump on the hand grenade for his buddies because they're better than him kind of a thing. Right. He'll sacrifice himself. He says that that happens rarely and only for a good, really, really good people. You know, like if you're a, a Navy SEAL, you're really, you're really, you know, highly trained, committed to your team. Your team members are committed to you. So you're willing to die for each other, right? Right. But a SEAL team isn't going to jump on a hand grenade, you know, if it falls amongst a group of thieves and malcontents that they're there to arrest, right? They're probably going to go, ah, take cover right? kind of a thing. That's kind of the point he's making. And so what he goes on to say is that we were kind of like that. We were the malcontents. We were ungodly, but guess what? It says he demonstrates his love for us or towards us. So he demonstrates how valuable we are to him how? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So I find that fascinating. The other thing he says is that we were made from the very beginning of time for this. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He says, just as God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we'd be holy and blameless before him. And in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ unto himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace with which he favored us in the beloved, which is Jesus. You know, this is an incredible foundational statements here. Uh, the foundations of how all other 
Christian doctrine is built on. You know, it's a Christianity at its core is a truth proposition. Therefore, a foundational stone is a statement of truth. And in order for it to be considered foundational, it must be axiomatic truth. In other words, it's always true, no matter what, kind of like the law of gravity. You can't change it. It always is. It's a constant. It's always true, and it affects everything around it. So notice the foundational axiomatic truths that he reveals. First thing he says this, every spiritual blessing in heaven and on earth has been given to us in Jesus. This truth alone says so many things. First, it says you're a spiritual being. Second, that there is a God, right? That there is a personal spirit. Third, I have a soul, and that spiritual part of me has needs. So God has blessed the fulfillment of those needs in my soul, which are spiritual through Jesus Christ. Are you starting to get the picture? There's so much here that is so important, so nuanced, but so significant. And so the more you believe that truth, experience that truth, reason through and rationally grasp that truth, what happens? How can you not feel valuable? right? The, in other words, the fruit of this tree as it grows is value. I am valuable. Uh, next truth before the foundation of the world, God chose us, meaning human beings to be holy and blameless in his sight in the garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were blameless and holy before the fall, but then they fell. They, had a knowledge of evil. They brought evil into the world, this reality. And guess what? We are not blameless and holy anymore. God understood before the foundation of the world was even set that this was a possibility and a probability. And so he had a plan to resolve it in that. So, so from the very beginning, God knew your value before you were even thought of or came around. God knew your value. The next truth is this. God's plan was to adopt us into his family. Now, there's all these kinds of ways. You know, it's so funny. I was listening to these people uh, criticize Christianity. They say, well, if God, you know, why doesn't God just come down and forgive everybody? Or why doesn't God do this? And I'm like, dude, what a boring way to do it. God says, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a family and I'm going to adopt you into my family. I'm like, Man, that family has got to have the best vacations ever, the best opportunity ever. God isn't just saying, oh, I'm here. You got a problem. I'm this dispassionate doctor that wants to set your broken leg and send you on your way. I don't care. No, he says, I'm your dad. I want you in my family. So we're going to heal this broken leg in a way so you can play sports or climb mountains or live an adventure. You know, it's like, wow. See, what it does is it brings value to the healing. And so how can I not grasp all of these biblical doctrines, these biblical truths on which all Christianity is built and not start to have a sense over and over and over again that I am? am what? Valuable. So the more mental tools, the more mental convictions, the more rational, reasoned, you know, truth realities in my life that I buy into that produce in me a sense of I have value, what happens when despair comes knocking on my door? That's the point. In society is robbing our young people of these truths. 
in its attempt to impose secularism on everyone. And value, my friends, value is the foundational stone of all hope. Well, thank you, Pastor, for sharing all that with us. Um, I know we're going to talk way more about this on Thursday, and I can't wait. And I'm just excited because I think we're really diving into some of the core um, things we need to understand if we're really going to have honest conversations about mental health. We need to know these things and how they affect every other aspect of mental health. So thank you for diving deep into the scriptures today to reveal some of this to us. Um, and I can't wait for Thursday when we talk more about it. I'll see you guys here on the Salty Pastor Co- Podcast Thursday. All right. Believe the truth, my friends. Believe the truth. Believe the truth.